Hey guys, so welcome to this week's episode. This week's episode is with Matt, and you probably don't know Matt, but you probably know his voice. Matt is from a well-known podcast called The Adventure Podcast. Um, it's, a brilliant, it's a brilliant one. I've only watched a few of them, but personally, I think they are definitely worth binging. Um, so yeah, enjoy. Uh, right. what was I, I listen. I've been listening to your latest podcast on the way home. Have you? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's good. I'm like, oh, I don't no, know if I want to listen to it because I've pre-ordered his book. So I'm like, oh, is it going to be like? Is this whole hour going to be the whole book and just like screw me over? <laughs> no, it was a bit. It was funny that because we we had a couple of beers before and chatted about stuff, and then it ended up like I don't know. It was just a chat in yeah, the end. Yeah. That's what you want. It makes life easier doing it, Just I think. Call. Oh, I know. Sure. So much easier. Yeah. yeah. I'll try and tether my phone as well. Yeah, with a uh, nightmare. Got some It's normally all right here. Well, it's probably, there's a good chance it's my end, not your end, to be honest. Right, let's see. Let's see how this goes. Okay. Just gonna make sure there's no nothing else going on with the internet. I think it's better. I think I say I think it's better. Who knows? All right. Do you want me to record at my end as well? You can do if you want, mate. Because if you want, I can. I can chuck the proper kit up just because. <laughs> I'm only using I'm only using my boom because my the, the little the little mic I use because I've got a rusty top on because freezing so I put my um my my poncho liner on. Uh, yeah. It's so rusty. I thought I can't have that near me. All I get is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I've had so much trouble with my audio since I've been doing this. Oh really? Yeah, just little mistakes, but. I'm a gamekeeper by trade, so don't hold it against me. No, no, well, that's it. It is hard. I have problems. Like, the Jay interview is super echoey. Yeah. Because you are using an um, empty barn, weren't you? Yeah. That's why I said it at the start. Yeah, yeah. I was like, people would be like, why is it so fucking echoey? Well, hang on. I've just got to find a cable, and then we're golden. I'd done one this end um, with a mate in my office, and my office is an old kiln. Um, well, my house is an old kiln, and I, I'm in the top, like the cone of the house. And yeah. I just can't, even though, like, this is my wardrobe as well up here, because so, like, literally, all, my clothes are all behind that flag. And, <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of echo up here. So, when we was doing that, it wasn't very great, but you just got to sort of persevere what you got. Yeah, exactly. Right. I should be. Apart from now, my. Keyboard's playing up. How long have you got? Or how long do you want it to be? As long as you want. Like, half an hour is, is ideal. 40 minutes is golden. Anything over that is just like quids in. All right. I end up talking quite a lot, so... Mate, just go for it. It's, you know, I don't care. I don't want... Right. I don't know if you listen to any of mine. Um, yeah. I don't want... 
I've done one with a bloke in New Zealand with the boar hunting. Yeah, okay. And, and um, literally, I put a pound in him. He just went. I was like, and it was like middle of the night as well because I recorded it, yeah. you know, for him, you know, for his Lovely. sort of time. Yeah, I've had a few like that. It's quite I was, funny. I was like, I just want to go to bed now. This is great, but I just want to go to bed. Yeah, it's funny when people just go. I have one. It's a seventy-minute conversation. I asked him one question. Really? Yeah. Because it makes cool. your life easier in the long run. Yeah. I mean, he was just a good storyteller, so we went with it. Yeah, yeah. Um, so the only thing is, if it's cool with you, um, I'm not going to talk about the reserve stuff. Yeah, no, that's fine, mate. That's fine. Because I haven't obviously done anything yet. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I've done nothing with the reserves. I, I, I say that I'm a reservist, and that's about it. You know, I went away. I should be away now. Still, I should be still with um, PT school. Yeah, but I failed one of the input tests, so that's me home. Yeah, um, and I failed not through and being fit for me being a mong. <laughs> that's not ideal. No, mate, my pride hurts big time. <laughs> Can you really get to go back and do it another day? Yeah, I'll go back and do it again. Um, January's the next course, but I've got. Uh, my my second daughter's being born in January, so it's going to be after. I've got my first daughter being born in February. So oh, yeah, what what date? Do you know what date you? What's the expected February date? February seventh. Seventh. I need the seventeenth. That's the best okay. date. <laughs> Try and hang on ten yeah, days. Yeah, God, I tell you what, if it, if it hangs on ten days, your missus will be foul. <laughs> I can assure you. Right, I'm recording. Yeah, cool. Cool, cool. Right, so as you said on the, on the last podca- podcast that I heard, what's your name, where'd you come from? <laughs> I'm Matt Pycroft and I come from Grimsby. <laughs> <laughs> but I suppose uh, I was born there, I was brought up near there, but I guess I'm not really from there. I lived in the lakes for seven years when I left home at 16 moved to Sheffield, lived in a van for a year, set up the business that I run now, and now I live in Suffolk. And the yeah. business, how did that all come about? Because that's a bit niche It's a long story, but the short version is, so I'm, I'm an expedition filmmaker and photographer by trade, and I run the Adventure Podcast, um, which was a bit of a passion project that I started a few years ago. And to be honest, I, I always thought I'd end up being a soldier. And then just, I went to university, was thinking about going down the officer route. And I thought about being like a mountain guide, climbing guide, stuff like that. And then I just fell in love with photography and film at uni. And rather than going to lectures, I spent a lot of time running around the Lake District with my mates, taking photographs of rock climbers, making little films. And then got an apprenticeship when I was 19 or 20 with a Polish climbing photographer and then had this amazing, like really traditional apprenticeship where he'd like, you know, beast me up hills in Chamonix (laughs) rather than paying for the lifts and stuff. Worked for a couple of film production companies for a few years, abseiling down cliffs and making climbing films and then set up with a friend. Um, And now, God, what, seven years on, we're still doing it. and, And despite coronavirus, business is okay. Cool. Yeah. Uh, where out of everything you've done like filming wise and work wise where's the best place you've been 
I always say, and it's, it's a disappointing answer, so I'll give you a good answer too, but I always say the Isle of Skye. Because, you know, I've been lucky. I've worked in Antarctica. I've worked in the Galapagos Islands. You know, the only continent I've worked, not worked on is Australasia. Um, so, I'm, you know, I'm lucky. I'm 31, but I have definitely definitely feel like I've been to some places. But, I don't know, Skye just feels like home turf. I've worked on Skye every year, I think, since I was 19. Um, I've had lots of misadventures there as well. And I think it's the most beautiful place in the world. But, ah... I don't know. I think the best trip I've ever done, best expedition, was last year, November, um, November, December, which was um, I was documenting the first ascent, first free free climb descent of the prow of Mount Roraima, which is the inspiration for that Disney film Up. Um, really? It's like Arthur Conan Doyle wrote The Lost World about this place, and we did. We trekked through the jungle for three weeks, and then spent three or four weeks living in Porter Ledges on this big wall did the first free ascent of the prow, um, you know, constantly wet and soggy. Then we got on the wall where we were constantly cold and it rained. But I think that's by a long way the best trip I've ever done. Just yeah. amazing. Group, amazing group of people, amazing objective. Yeah, just loved every second. That does sound awesome. I Since I've been doing this, what, so, I'm what, 15, 20 episodes in and the whole idea of my podcast was to talk about all the good that gamekeepers and hunting staff do and all the things that happen in the countryside. Like that has now been blown right out the water and gone <laughs> sideways massively. But the, the amount of people I've, managed, I've spoken to and their lives and the weird stuff that how things happen is been absolutely brilliant. And I have to say, yeah. I have lived a very sheltered life in comparison. It's all relative though, isn't it? Yeah. Like, you know, I know people who who won't like deep dive into all this, but I've got people who I sort of look up to and think, oh my God, your life's amazing. You know, mates of mine, Waldo, who spends, you know, six or seven months every year on expedition. I'm always looking at him thinking I'm not doing enough. What I don't do is look behind me and think, oh, actually I have done a lot. And, you know, a load of the lads I went to school with, or even when you think about it, like the porters we had on the last expedition, you know, they've never left... Guyana never left the Amazon let alone Guyana so it's all relative we're all doing okay yeah no and it's funny how we were, I was actually just talking on the last one I recorded um about the journey things take you know you have an accident or something fails and you and, and life sort of pings you off into a diff- different direction and you think oh that was crap you know why how, why has it happened to me and all of a sudden this big long spiel of something great has happened at the end of it and it's just amazing really well i won't bore you with the details but that is literally what happened to me i broke my arm i didn't think i was going to be able to be a mountain guide the military seemed a long way off and so i just went down the photography route one of those things where you look back and think like do i regret breaking my arm hell no no not now if it'd been if you just four four weeks after breaking your arm suicidal and can't do nothing yeah Played Xbox for a year, sat on my parents' sofa and played Xbox for a year and was sad. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, just just wallowed in self-pity. Yeah. And and it's funny because that's literally what I was talking about this morning. Yeah. Um, uh, So you climb, you climb, you do everything, you're a bit of an adventure man, really. Sort of, if Action Man was a human being, it's sort of you now, isn't it? (laughs) I don't know about that. I always say that I'm a serial tag-along. 
<laughs> I, I, hang out, I hang out with action men and action women and all sorts of amazing people. I just follow them around with a camera. <laughs> yeah, well, the best place to be. Yeah. Definitely. Uh, I, I, so I should imagine you've had some pretty surreal scenarios you've ended up in. Yeah. yeah. Any pop to mind? <sighs> I mean, it... There's so many like bits that have gone wrong, bits that went right. I mean, in terms of surreal, you know, there's moments where you sit there and think, how the hell did I get here? Or how the hell am I going to get out of here? I mean, I spent a week in Chernobyl um, illegally uh, right. making a documentary. I mean, we got chased by the Ukrainian military police. It was, you know, it was an amazing trip, but there were moments where we were living in this abandoned squat in this city. And we'd explore at night with, you know, in total darkness and sleep during the day. And you just sit there and you could see the military, you know, on the streets patrolling and looking for people. They didn't know we were there, but you just think, how did they get here? And why did they get here? And why have I made such a stupid decision? And, you know, I'm never doing this again. You get home a week later, you start planning again. Yeah. And same with stuff like when I started my, um, started my career, I spent a lot of time working in Africa. Um, working with a couple of really talented people, one in particular who's become a really close friend. And um, we were we were making films and taking photos of things that you weren't always supposed to be documenting. Um, yeah. So, you know, whether it was because um, often we were working for institutions who wanted to work out where the money had gone or why projects had gone badly. So we were scientists or, you know, um, oh, sorry, my phone's ringing. Um, we were scientists or yeah, like researchers and things like that, but actually we were taking photographs and the, the, I mean, we spent weeks and weeks and weeks in places like Rwanda, Ghana, Malawi, the DRC and the, the, the situations we got into, I mean, and it's not always in the middle of nowhere where you get into the rough stuff. It was, you know, you're being Kigali, like big city in Rwanda and people would just come and sit at your table and start finishing your food after you've, you know, finished with it. And usually women, and you work out very quickly exactly what it is that they want from you, which is money. And you think, bloody hell, I'm 21 years old. How have I ended up here? Yeah. Um, so you have to work out how to get rid of them quickly. And then, yeah, God, the stories are endless. But, I mean, the one, the one point where I really went, okay, what you're doing now is getting serious and you should probably upskill and really think about it was, I've been on a load of expeditions at this point, but I went on expedition in 2015 to Greenland um, with the same team that I went to Mount Roraima with, a similar team. And again, long story short, friend Waldo got ill near the base of the wall and I had to get him back down to base camp. And through this horrendous, horrendous crevasse field, we weren't, we weren't traveling on it during the day because the snow bridges are much looser um, because of the heat from the sun. But we had to get Walder down. He had diarrhea and vomiting really bad. He was stopping every, you know, five minutes to throw up. And I've been going like down to my waist in loads of these holes and then like slowly working my way out and, and like felt super sketchy. And I'm roped to Waldo. And at one point I go through up to my waist and I turn to Waldo and it's like, it was like a movie. I'm not embellishing it. I looked at Waldo and went, I'm pretty sure I'm okay. 
And I went to say, okay, I just disappeared <laughs> into this hole in the ground. And, you know, it was over super fast. And I was just hanging there with this little skinny seven mil green rope in front of me. And you look down and there's like 20 meters of air and then just ice cold water flowing into this black pit. And you think, my God, you know, if I go in there, what would kill me? The impact, drowning, hypothermia, God knows what. Terrifying. And anyway, Waldo was throwing up and he'd like crap himself and all sorts of stuff. Um, and the easiest thing to do was for me to climb out. So I've got like aluminium crampons on, nice axe. I've got 20 kilos on my back. So, I mean, it took like 40 minutes, but Waldo's got a video of me like climbing out the top of this crevasse. And all you hear is him just say, I've just pooped myself and puked up and Matt fell in the crevasse. (laughs) Yeah. So, and you know, you get down from stuff like that and it's, I don't know, it was funny at the time. And I think that was a coping strategy, but looking back on it, you know, it could have been, I mean, if we couldn't get a helicopter to get us out, that could have been it. Or even I might have just, yeah, gone then and there. And yeah, since then my attitude changed. I think like I realized I wasn't invincible. I realized that, I was fragile, actually, and, you know, really need to look after myself. But then, you know, I've not gotten much better over the years. I think the thing is, I just try really, really hard to keep myself safe now. That's the thing. I'm terrible with the little monkey on my shoulder going, you know, that'll be all right. Just get on with it. Yeah. And then I guarantee you, after that little monkey's gone, you'll be all right something bad usually goes sideways yeah why why do i do that and then the monkey's going well i didn't tell you to do that yeah i've just i just learned over the years i i I was so bad for that when i was younger particularly whereas now it's that whole perceived risk versus real risk just i always think about what's my perceived risk oh you know i don't know some this is going to happen that's going to happen ropes are going to snap x y or z I mean, Leo, who I've been on a lot of trips with, the most dangerous thing on an expedition like a jungle trip is cutting yourself with a blade because we use them so often. Yeah. That's, the, that's the real risk. Um, it's always like, you know, it sounds boring to talk about it like this, but you're constantly doing risk assessments. You're not writing them down and signing them and, you know, wearing face masks and stuff, but you're thinking what's around the corner, what's going to happen next? Have we got enough of this? If we have to get a helicopter in here, how are we going to do it? Um, yeah, and the human risk is always—I mean, that's a massive factor when you're in countries overseas. Um, yeah. But yeah, it's a whole different conversation. <laughs> no, no, it's true. Um, you know, and, and, and I suppose as you get older, you sort of learn more to appreciate actually what you're doing and and your life. Because when you're when you're 16, you still bounce you know and then you turn 30 and you don't bounce as well as you used to no yeah you know, i i you know have a tree climber and and whatever else for for work and i, I actually had a bout to cut off at work a tree and you think i just got to jump up there and then i can i can soon hack that down and then yeah. fuck i can't i can't jump high enough now but i used to be able to do that and, just, and then it's just constant. It's a constant battle then to not become the old man, I suppose. Yeah, that's it. And I think that's the thing. Like I always get pretty wound up with like social media because I end up sitting there thinking like, oh, everybody's so fit and so strong and so adventurous, and everybody seems fine. 
and I'm here like trying not to get injured running slowly around the woods. Yeah. And I, I try and keep super fit, but I just feel old. I'm just slow. trying not to look like a dad. I don't want to get yeah, no, that's it. You oh know. god. I've got that to come. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Uh so um what was I gonna say? Uh, so who's so the podcast adventure podcast that's where I was going how 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 mine I've done I started mine off through a whim I was like do you know what I really like the idea of a podcast nobody's really sort of touching on what I want to touch on (laughs) and neither am I now Um, but you know I thought oh yeah that'll be easy and really not Um, so how did you how did you end up how did you end up doing it well again it's a long story but I was in I spent two months in Norway on a training trip and I did like a a formal course for a couple of weeks like polar survival and then I stayed in my van for another six weeks um on and off like either living in my van or living in a tent on this arctic plateau just learning loads about polar survival and I was occasionally there's this amazing place on the Hardangavida plateau in Norway called Hergestol um, that a mate of mine runs, Carl Alvey, and he was sort of letting me kind of doss there. Um, I didn't, I mean, it's it's quite pricey to stay there, you know, it's Norway. I didn't have the cash, so he was letting me use the showers and letting me use the drying rooms, and I was there with Leo for a bit, and um, yeah, and one night I was in the bar there having a chat with a guy called Eric, Eric McNair Landry, who's probably one of the greatest snow kites in the world. Well, he is. Um we were chatting over a beer, talking about all things adventure and talking about expeditions and ethics and all sorts of stuff. And this lady came over and she said, I've just been listening to you two talk for an hour. You should start a podcast. <laughs> and I like laughed, you know, we all laughed and I was like, ha yeah, sure, whatever. And then two days later, I left Hergestol and I was driving back from Norway, which is a long old drive. And I hadn't got any snow chains and I was in a shitty old white van. Um, I've had a string of shitty old white vans, just got a new one, which is shitty <laughs> and old. And um, I hadn't got any snow chains and I'd nearly crashed it. I'd got, I couldn't get over this mountain pass, turned around, went back, bought some snow chains, drove over, found a Slovenian truck driver had like come off the road in this 18 wheeler, spent an hour with these planks, getting this truck back on the road with him. And it was all just like so gnarly and such a busy, like full on mental day. And I was driving like to the um, ferry port, super kind of jacked. And I was like, you just need to just chill out. Just put a podcast on, listen to something about adventure. And when I got on the ferry, I started looking through adventure podcasts or podcasts related to adventure. And whilst there are some really good ones and some ones that I like, there was nothing that kind of made me go, oh, yeah, that's exactly what I wanted. And then I was, and, and it's like the stars aligned because I thought, oh, that woman who said <laughs> you should just start a podcast. Just do I it. went, yeah, and I texted my wife. Um, she was talking about this yesterday. I texted my wife and said, I'm going to start a podcast. And she was like, right, yeah, okay, here we go. Of course you are. I was like, no, 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 really, I am. I sat in the service station and I wrote a list of five names. Um, and... I did. So three weeks later, um, well, I I did my first interview. But the beauty of starting the Adventure Podcast was that I'd spent eight years working in the adventure 
like film travel industry yeah and so I've met a lot of people and got fairly embedded in that culture so as I'm sure you found one of the hardest things is like accessing people the world's so busy yeah people are busy and I was just lucky like my first interview was with Alistair Humphreys who's a great guy and then I just interviewed some more under the radar people and slowly kind of tactically you know got introductions and built things up and now we're releasing one every Monday. Um, yeah, I mean, that's, that's been my trouble. I started off really as I meant to go on and, you know, once a week podcast is, is, is more than I really should be doing. Um, you know, two a month would have been ample for me at the moment and less stress. Not that I find this stressful. Actually, I really quite enjoy getting up here in the office and mucking about with it all. Um, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm fantastic at deleting footage. So usually, so I've had three, <laughs> three about to redo because I've gone, oh yeah, that's all good. Everything's back on the, saved on the laptop. Right, I'll delete all my cards and I can start again. And think, oh no, that bit of footage is on that. Oh. Um, so it's been a learning curve, but and say, accessing people has been the thing. Say again, accessing people. Yeah, yeah it's an, it, well, it used to be a nightmare and it, it still is to some extent like it's the same thing I was saying about looking forwards and looking backwards. You know, I've got a list of people. I mean, on my desk right now, you know, we're taking a break in. We've got two more episodes and then we're taking a break. Um, we're doing something with Candle Mountain Festival probably. And then we're starting season four next year. And to be honest, the reason I need the break is because I need time to make season four. Yeah so that it's ready to go because at the minute i mean i edited a podcast trailer this morning i edited podcasts on saturday it takes up so much time um and i'm a real stickler for the quality of it so like, i like yeah, to edit no, you've it. Got to be. But yeah so but also you know season four half the people on that list i don't know if i can get them and right. i'm determined to try bloody right i mean i've so, been i've been after um uh, my old, my old boss, I, I said to you before on the phone, was um, produces um, a lot of TV programs and bits and pieces, spun gold TV, and yeah. a lot of their thing they do is with royals. And my background is the royal family. And he went, uh, my boss said, Look, you need you know, you need to work. That's where you need to get your foot in the door. Do do that, and you and people will love it. You know, that's sort of the the ab the um what, what did he say, the the normal abnormal. As yeah. it was, people, you know, where I talk about like stories with the royals, because it's just normal for me. It's, you know, totally surreal to other people. I mean, there's one, one story um, where I've been out on the on the piss, and um, I where I went, went I didn't I didn't really live at that house. So I'd moved, sort of moved out by then, um, but my room was outside the house. So I had to go out out round the house and back in again to get into the kitchen and what whatnot and i was up late and dad was in the in the in the kennels because now dad is now the um, queen's kennelman um he stood there talking to her majesty and i am i come out hung over to hell i'm just a dead man and then there's a queen then all of a sudden i've got to sort of pick myself back up and look like a normal human being talk to the queen and she knew as well as anyone else that i was hung over she's not stupid <laughs> um and i had to hold a whole conversation with her you know and it's just just stuff like that you know and and dad is a like fourth generation on the estate of workers. I, I, I okay. broke the mold. Um, and just, just, just that story of the family, you know, I'd love to put that as a recording, but at the moment the, um, yeah. I've got issues with the, 
royal correspondence in um, Buckingham Palace. Yeah, so I'm trying to. I've, I've, but I've, I've got a bit of a plan to. Well, it's hard to like that. Account. I mean, that's yeah. It's the same with a few of my ideas and schemes. I mean, some of them will just cost money. That's the yeah. problem. Is you know, it's a hard thing to do to get it all off the ground and to convince people to give you an hour of their time. And yeah, it's difficult. But that's. I mean, for me, it started as a passion project. Like the reason I, you know, I didn't really give you the full answer. The the reason I did it was because there wasn't a podcast that I thought I'd enjoy in full. Yeah. But really, like I realized, you know, that conversation with Eric and conversations I've been having on expeditions, you know, in airplane, um, airport lounges, all sorts of places. You know, I just thought, bloody hell, like these people are so amazing and their stories are so good that there's two things that have to happen. One is, you know, there's a level of kind of archiving, you know, curation of these stories so that in 100 years or yeah, exactly. however many years... There's a, there's a physical record because Instagram and things like that, you know, content duration is measured in seconds now. And I just think one day somebody able, somebody will be able to listen back to Comrade Anker interviewed two days after three of his mates died in an avalanche. And whilst that's dark and heavy, you know, it's a really interesting insight into that man, you know, world-class, yeah. world-famous alpinist. The other thing is that I wanted to inspire people to go out and enjoy the natural world. And yeah 100 percent. it's important i think you know again when when we're competing with love island <laughs> and made in chelsea you know everything we can do to inspire people to go outside and climb a tree yeah you know no i i agree thing. totally and, and and like i said that sort of thing why i started started this for myself was because the likes of country file on tv is is such a false input of what actually goes on in the countryside you know like if you ignore the fact that gamekeeping is somebody looking after pheasants for somebody else to come and shoot the, the offset of that is such a massive deal you know the gamekeepers look after habitat so you've got more wild birds there you've got more you know finches and and whatever else and 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 the the conservation that comes from it is just astronomical and people don't ever hear it because you've got lots of country file that go, well, shooting's bad. And, you know, whether your view on that is, is for or against what comes from it is, is massive. Um, well, it's also presenting both sides, right? Like regardless yeah. of what your opinion is, I think that's the, the problem these days is we live in a world where you're either left or right, blue or red, right or wrong. And, you know, people should be able to talk and say, I'm pro grouse more, I'm anti grouse more, I think fox hunting's good, I think fox, fox hunting's bad, without shouting at each other. Yeah, or, I, I agree. And and that's the problem. And, you know, I've got strong views on the countryside and things like that. But my thing about it is, like, people just need to be civil and chat. And there's lots of change going on in the UK at the minute and around the world. And really, you know, one of the sad things is that we're talking about cultural heritage, you know, sheep farming, dry stone walling, you know, grouse shooting, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. These things are part of our ingrained British cultural heritage yeah. and they're all at risk. And so, you know, again, we won't get into the nitty gritty detail of it all, but that's, that's sad and it's worth talking about and it's worth thinking about because it's, it makes us English, makes us British and it's part of who and what we are. And that's ever evolving and changing. 
Yeah, and that's not okay. Yeah, as I say, I've got strong views on it all. <laughs> yeah, well, same as I have. But, uh, but I said in my in my first ever podcast, I put out, I put one out about who I was, and and my thing was, I don't care if you're anti, I don't care if you're pro, I just want you to know why. Yeah, and then and then you know, at least there's a bit of understanding. You know, I've been because I I used to work for a foxhound pack myself. I used to fly a golden eagle. I still do fly. I still got a. Um, I'm not flying this season. Um, and so, I've, you know, I've been out with them. I've been spat at, had stuff chucked at me. And I'm just like, you've got no idea. Yeah. And uh, that was, that's been a big thing for me. It's just to educate. And actually, I probably will do eventually when I get a bit better, better at this is, is try and get some, you know, the anti-blood sports on here and yeah. chat to them. When I'm a bit braver. At the moment, I'm not that brave. But, but that, mate, that is it. Is It's just that, you know, I have huge respect for that attitude because that's exactly... I mean, that's the <laughs> running a podcast, I think, or doing any sort of interview or conversation, you make a decision at the start, like, am I just, am I impartial? Am I just a method of this person having a chat? Or am I giving my opinion? Or are we having a conversation? And whichever it is, we just have to stay calm. Yeah. Like, I, I've asked people questions that they've given me answers to and I just think, my God, I couldn't disagree with you anymore. But this isn't the time to do that. Yeah. This is your opportunity to speak. Um, and vice versa. Like, you know, if you and I were to get into the detail of whether or not fox hunting's good or bad or complicated, which it is. Extremely complicated. Uh, <laughs> I mean, I, uh, I shouldn't tell this story probably, but I mean, two nights ago, literally two nights ago, I was staring down the barrel down the sights of a rifle and there was a fox in the crosshairs and I was out muntjack stalking with a mate and I had the rifle it was on a little tripod and this little fox we were watching this alleyway this gap in the trees and this fox walked across and I thought oh, I'm not going to tell him because I'm not going <laughs> to shoot it and I did, I did I said to him oh there's a fox and he went and he said oh pop it and I said no 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 no, no. it's my rifle right now I'm not doing it no, it's fair enough. And, and, and we waiting for a monk jack. And that's what I was there for. Yeah. And, you know, if he wants to shoot a fox on his time when he's got the rifle in his hands, then that's his call. And if we want to have a beer and have a chat about that, then that's cool. But I'm not going to shoot it. I mean, I'm so I'm soft now. So a friend of mine uh, had been on at me for oh, weeks and weeks and bloody weeks about getting him some venison. And my little shoot, where I'm a keeper is, is tiny. I mean, it's almost as big as this room it is. And, uh, he was like, oh, give, you got me his deer yet? I went, no, not yet. But I'll get, when I see one, I'll get you one, but I've got all little spinnies. And to be fair, it's just not a deery place. Unlike yeah. most of Suffolk, which is horrendously overrun with, especially Muntjac. Yeah. Right. And, uh, anyway, so I, well, one evening and I see, a, I see a pair of Muntjac eating my cover crop. I thought, right, I'll, um, I'll shoot one that will shut him up. So I get, so I get the rifle out, lump that. And as soon as I hit it, I think, oh, you poor bugger, you. And I just, yeah. and instantly felt sorry for it. And I was like, all right, come on. And, then, and, I'm, and I'm horrendous for that now. And I've never been brought up like that. I've been brought up to respect stuff, but I'm just, I'm soft. Too soft yeah. now. But, but that's it's got to be no done. bad thing. But if you look at ancient cultures, I mean... There's a lot around that, around 
we're going to shoot this, we're going to take this, we're going to kill this, however we're going to do it, but we're not happy about it. Yeah. And that's, that's no bad thing. I mean, again, we can, can go into this, but, you know, Munjak don't have any natural predators in the UK. They're an invasive species. They shouldn't be here. You know, if we could press a magic button and they all disappeared, we should press it. That's, you know, if we're looking at Britain on an agricultural scale, biodiversity, they're not good. No. That's my understanding anyway. I, I'm not no, Bluebells. There's a thing uh, 10 years ago in the shooting times, I think it was in, where they were saying that, that, that the bluebells are in, in decline because the muntjac are rooting them up and eating, in, okay. eating the bulbs. Right. Yeah, so I mean... Useful information for you. No, but it's this whole thing of like the trophic cascades and how, how our countryside works and how it should work. And, you know, I'm, I'm fascinated by um, things like the concept of rewilding and how we look at nature in the UK. And, you know, I don't, I'm not saying I've got the answers. I just think it's interesting. And part of why I do what I do is because I want to engage people with the natural world. You know, we all do our little bit. And my bit is I want to get people excited about the outdoors. Yeah, and once 100%. they get excited about the outdoors, they might become some, you know, raging fox hunter, or they might become a total rewilding, you know, lefty. Yeah, um, <laughs> some spear-wielding lunatic who wants to eat everything. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And you know, most people just fall happily in the middle of everything. But yeah, no, it's really interesting, and I've had some great conversations on on my podcast recently about the British wilderness and cultural heritage and you know it matters and it's important and the people who are listening to this you know if you're heavily focused on countryside land management and its use in the uk you know your listeners will know a lot more than me about it but my it's just my mum listens to this mate no one else apart from mum listens to this <laughs> well good his mum you've got strong opinions about it but um i just think the most important thing is that we talk i yeah. you know it's starting to sound like an old man, but people just don't know how to talk anymore. A friend of mine um, who I actually had on the podcast um, asked me to write an article for his working dog magazine. Now, his, his magazine isn't just about hunting with dogs. It's about everything. So fl- from flyball to working collies, to, you know, it's, it gives everybody a chance to, to have their say. He said, oh, would you, you know, would you write, write an article for me? I went, have you seen me write? I don't know sure if you really want me doing that. Um, <laughs> anyway, I said, yeah, I can do. What about lurches or terriers? He went, oh, no, what about the eagle? I went, it's got wings. You know, yeah, that, not that's that. not got four legs and two ears, you know, and a tail. I know, you know, to talk about the hounds and, and, you know, what you've done, I went, okay, I will do. And um, I started that actually article off by saying how, how hunting is, how, how the law has changed and how hunting has changed. Um, and, how we could have ended up with a better system because I'm not allowed to join the British Falcons Association because I flew my bird for the hunt because the British Falcons Association was against it because of the loophole. I'm like, why haven't we all worked together here and made a, a bad job good? Instead of thinking about our little empire and what can we get from it, how, how can we all do something? And well, it's just mind-boggling. Yeah. Especially when I think sometimes people fail to realize that they're sort of on the same team. Yeah. You know, they might not have exactly the same views, 
but really they're all gunning for the same thing. I mean, I've had some incredibly heated conversations or been part of heated conversations with people who are passionate rewilders and people who are passionate kind of the way we do it now is perfect. Yeah. And I don't know. I just think it's, it's so complicated, but really what those two groups of people both care about more than anything is the protection and curation of natural Britain. And we should celebrate that. Yeah. You know, one person thinks that we should use red paint and one person thinks we should use blue paint, but really we both just want to paint the fence. Yeah. And, you know, so if they just had a chat more, maybe we could mix it yeah, together. Just, just and take yourselves out of each situation yeah. and look at the problem. Yeah. Yeah. No, yeah. I, and I agree. But, but people like to be tribal and people like to form little groups and rally against each other and shout at each other because it makes them feel good. And spit at. And, and spit at. I've been spat at. Yeah. But yeah, it doesn't solve much though. No, no, just winds you up usually. Yeah. So back to your podcast then. What? It's all getting serious, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> what? Um, I haven't haven't had a chance to go through them all um, yet. But who has been the best person you've interviewed? Oh, it's too difficult to answer the best. I don't know. I think like. If I think about favourite episodes, I mean, the recent one I did with Jay Morton, you know, ex-SAS sergeant, that was cool just because I'm really interested in that sort of world. And um, Jay turned the kind of mic on me and asked me a load of questions. And so it ended up just being it. a chat. And it, yeah, which was quite cool. Um, and I think that just sticks out because we only just released it and it was good fun and I'm quite proud of that one. Um Martin Hartley, amazing, amazing guy who I really look up to. I've admired him for 10 years. Um, he's a world-class polar photographer, um, heavily, heavily focused on um, the curation and protection, well, curating photographs, writing information about sea ice in the polar regions and how it's basically, it's just going to be gone in the next few years. Um, his episode is called A Couple of Cold Winters and it's kind of bleak, but it's also hopeful. Um, it was just a really emotional conversation with one of my heroes. Um, and then I'll give you two more rapid fire. George Monbiot, who's known for being a total left-wing, rewilding Guardian journalist, who most people see as extreme. I've interviewed him twice, and neither of them were interviews. I asked him a question each time, and he spoke for 60 minutes. And he doesn't mention extreme political views at all. He just tells amazing stories um, about his time <clears throat> in Papua New Guinea and then about when he was presumed dead in Brazil. And they're just proper like rip-roaring cow rip roaring cowboy stories. Um, and then one thing that might in, uh, really interest your listeners or your mum is... Um, uh, who's um he was the subject of a book called the last english poacher um yeah about a guy that basically breaks into the estate and goes and shoots birds and takes start that again mate because you froze then start that again oh um i'm recording this then too but you can um you can cut around it um i'll wait till you're back there it is i'm back yeah um and then lastly 
with my friend Emma Crome, who went searching for Brian Tovey, who's um, he was a subject of a book called The Last English Poacher about uh, yeah Brian, who just goes and breaks onto the estates with his shotgun and goes and steals birds. So interesting, controversial one that you you'll probably enjoy. Yeah, can't be a bit of poaching. Yeah, <laughs> love it. That's cool. Um, so you've got a few, so you've got some plans for, for the podcasting. What is, where are, you, where are you going with this? Where I'm going with it is I still want to be doing it when I'm 70. <laughs> um, I just, I properly love it. I think it's like my, I think it's my favorite thing that I do just because it's so honest and real. And I just get to sit down and have chats with people, which is what I like doing anyway. And then I just, you know, I don't really edit them. I just, monitor the sound levels, take out any, you know, drops in the internet connection or dog barks and I upload them and it's that yeah. simple. Yeah. And I just love it. I get to meet interesting people, have interesting chats, but more sensible answer is, um, I just want to keep for every like celebrity or for every A-list that we have people like Jay Morton, people like Sir Chris Bonington, I want to introduce two people that nobody's heard of or few people have heard of. Yeah. You know, interviewed a Faroese shepherd farmer, my friend Emma, you know, Waldo, the tree climber. Because it's not just about celebs. It's not about bringing the big guns. It's about the life. In fact, it's not really about that at all. It's about, yeah, it's about the world of adventure and exploration. And that takes many forms. Yeah, no. And that's one thing, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to talk to a few people who I think would be interesting uh, and I've messaged them. Uh, like there's a there's a, a guy who's big into the, the rabbiting and, and the ferreting and he's really quite good at it goes to a lot of shows and just quite a, quite a celebrity in the that kind of world and uh, she's just chinned me yeah. off completely but yeah you know i've got a friend who's competing for me who's a keen fisherman i went that bernard can you talk to me about fly fishing because i can't you know literally cannot get anyone to talk to me about fly fishing and he went yeah yeah i'll talk to you in like over an hour yeah. So to the point where, because he's, he, he goes quite in depth about it, I cut it into two half an hour episodes because nobody's going to want to have that in their ears for an hour. And, um, but, it's, but yeah, it's a brilliant episode. Two brilliant episodes, just a bit heavy. Um, and, you know, he didn't have yeah. to take his time out and listen to me or, you know, talk to me, but he was brilliant. And um, I have to say another one, which I kept whole, and I'm glad I did keep it whole, was a friend... Well, more of a friend now than she was at the time uh, from the Norfolk Ornithologist Association where I'd done my school work experience many, many lifetimes ago now. And on that bird reserve, I spent my time uh, making larsen cages to catch magpies to kill them and trying to catch a stoat that was killing the rabbits because it, for habitat management. But nobody, none of the public ever saw that, but that's what we were doing. And I just thought their take on the whole of the reasons why is you know much more than the RSPB's got much more than the National Trust and it's done the right way and I so I approached him and and she was the apprentice at the time and she is now the warden and she went, yeah can I have a chat and I was there for well I was there for like two hours in the end um, and just spoke about just everything it was great and I've had the chance to speak to some amazing people that's brilliant yeah and if you're offering di- you know different perspectives on the world as we know it I mean that's one of the most reassuring things, or um, I can't think of the word, but one of the things that I enjoy most about the podcast, rewarding, it's an easy word to remember. Um, <laughs> one of the most rewarding things is when people get in touch and they say, 
oh, I didn't know that. Or I've just read that book and it's changed my view on things. And you think, well, that's good because we live in this world of Love Island and Celebrity yeah. Big Brother. It's nice to be able to say, like, I'm interested, you know. Do I like the idea of walking around and finding cages and killing birds? Not really. Do I understand that it needs to be done? Well, I don't know. But if you're gonna if you're gonna introduce me to an ornithologist who's gonna explain why we do, I'm up for listening. Yeah. You know, we had Chris and Patton then I'll develop wings. my view on it. But you're much more likely to convince Yeah. Yeah. You know, Chris Pat Chris Pat yeah. comes there, you know, you've got to protect the, protect the magpies and then you've got so many magpies taking so many eggs and, and then, then the blue tits or the goldfinches or the blackbirds are in decline and you think of course they're in decline because you've got all these predators that are taking the eggs and you know, it's um I'll tell you another one that I enjoyed doing and actually even I learned on it was my first one I ever done was with my granddad, um, about wildfowling. About he had a big obsession with the pink footed goose massive massive obsession with the pink foot goose and um how he got into it it's a bad podcast audio wise for me because my um my little my little mic here went from went from here down to here somewhere just disappeared in my oh. uh disappeared in my in my jacket it unclipped off my hoodie and sort of went down to my, went to my navel somewhere so it yeah. sounds like i'm talking to him from a well but actually i'm only sort of <laughs> a meter away from him um but you can hear him clear as day and, and that's the bit you want to hear you don't want to hear me anyway you want to hear his story and and hearing his story because he's what now 90 odd 91 90 91 so you know that's going to be gone you know relatively soon hopefully not too soon but yeah um to ha- you know to have that story to go back to would be great yeah and those stories matter yeah i mean imagine like i mean if i said to you, you know would you like to have a hundred podcast episodes from 1720 about the state of britain you'd be like well obviously i do because you know what was what was british culture like what was you know what was land use like what were people's yeah. opinions like and it's fascinating and yeah i mean that's what we're doing it, it fills me with joy every time we upload one because that's another hour of yeah. curated history yeah and it's, no, it's it's amazing i've been after yeah. one one man i really want to talk to and if i can get my foothold into the uh into the into the um press office at um at buckingham palace um there's a warrener who's at, at sarium who's it's just awesome stories about catching rabbits and, and the Royals. And I just, I need that on tape. I need that recording <laughs> because it would just be, it would just be a great, a great story, you know? So, yeah. How long yeah. we've been on here? Been on here an hour. Bloody hell, been on here an hour. Right. I'm going to say thank you very much and just stop recording. So yeah, thank you for doing that, mate. It has been a big right. help. Thanks for watching. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe for more great episodes of Outdoor Man and obviously spread the word. Please comment. Uh, without your comments, I do not, you know, I give me content ideas and what you like, what you didn't like, so on and so forth. And for all the information, it's down below. So click out the bio, the link, and uh, yeah, thanks for watching.